Well, it looks like, despite the inclement weather, our three kings have made it here to Clyde, safe and sound. They've arrived. The shepherds have gone. They're, they've left their, their spot. They, got, they had to get back to work. So we've got the three kings here in their place. And what we celebrate today in the uh, with the Epiphany is how God's salvation, His plan of salvation, goes out to all the nations. Okay, we can see that this thing really clearly all throughout our scriptures. And there's a contrast that we get actually between the shepherds and the, and the three kings. The shepherds represent Israel. They represent the original chosen people of God. And so there's a kind of a specialness that's associated with Israel. But it's through Israel that God brings the Messiah who comes to save all the nations, who comes to bring all the nations into the people of God. So we've got this kind of contrast between the, the Jews and the Gentiles, between special people, but a special people whose purpose really is for the benefit of all. And today in my homily, what I'd like to talk about is basically the practical application of that simple truth of how God operates in the world. He operates that way throughout the course of salvation history, but also in our own lives. That's how he deals with human beings in general. He doesn't distribute his gifts and his callings to everyone in an absolutely equal, uniform manner. There are some people who he chooses, and they're kind of special, and the people groups like the, the Jewish people. But when he does that, when he kind of favors one over another, he does it for the benefit of the other. He does it for the benefit of all. And so there's no room ultimately and no reason for envy or for ingratitude. So today that's kind of what I'd like to talk about is the, the vice of envy and its remedy, which really is the virtue of thankfulness or gratitude. You know, the Magi, once they got the word to go and seek out the Christ child, they could have been kind of resentful and envious. They could have said, hey, God, it's about time you thought of us Gentiles here. You know what I mean? It's been a few uh, eons, you know, since you threw us alone. Okay, thanks a lot, buddy. A little too, a little too late. But they, that wasn't their attitude at all. They were okay with the fact that they were not the chosen special people. And they were grateful that God was now speaking to them, reaching out to them, calling them. And they go in a posture of great humility to the Jewish people. And they go to Jerusalem and they seek, even though they were wise men themselves, they sought from the scribes in Jerusalem, can you, can you enlighten us some more? Where exactly is the Messiah to be born? And so then they look in the scriptures and they, and they teach something to these wise men. So there's a real humility on their part. Now, in contrast to the wise men, we've got Herod. We've got King Herod. Herod the Great is known in history. And it says, when the wise men came to Jerusalem and it was broadcast about that they were looking for the Christ, it says, when King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled. Think about how crazy that is. He's He's Jewish. All the Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah. Herod should have been rejoicing. This should have been the best news ever. If he was a true believer, he should have been going, All right, the Messiah. There's, there's word, or there's a news of his, of his birth. 
How amazing. Yeehaw. Alright. Hallelujah. That's what he should have been doing. But instead, he's troubled. He's disturbed. Why is that? Because he is jealous of his own position as the king. I'm the king of Judah. I can't have any other rival. Okay? And so, he starts becoming very, very insecure. Very insecure and paranoid, even. Okay? He becomes really kind of sly. And he's got this idea that he's going to find out wherever this uh, messianic child is and he's going to kill him. Okay? But what lies behind this kind of jealousy or, or protectiveness or insecurity or envy? Well, Herod was not focusing on what God had actually given him. First of all, he had his own rule. He had his own you know, gifts that God had given him in life. He wasn't focusing on that. He was focusing on what possibly could be taken from him. Okay? So in our lives, too, sometimes we focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. Moreover, he was really blind to the fact that the greatest gift that ever could be, the birth of Christ, was about to take place. What an awesome thing. And how tragic and sad that it is that in his envy and his jealousy and his petty small-mindedness, he missed that. God can do these great things in our lives. He can have great things for us. And because we're just focused on what we don't have, we miss that. How tragic is that? And then, moreover, look, look further here into this insecurity. In this, it's really a paranoia that Herod has. Okay? And it makes him basically out of touch with reality. Because you know what the reality is? And this is the, the irony of it all. Is that if he had acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, would his rulership have been taken from him? No. Absolutely not. He would have been more successful, a political leader. He would have entered into his calling and his providential gifts more than he had ever in his whole life. All, all he had to do was just acknowledge Christ's rulership. Nothing would have been taken from it. Jesus is not envious. Jesus is not a competitor. He doesn't want to come into our life and take away our freedom and the good things that we have. Okay, We fear that. But that's not the truth of the matter. He's way too big to be a little competitor with our tiny selves here on earth. He's way too big. And the good things that we have, he doesn't come and take them away. He comes to make them stronger, to purify them, to restore them, to be the way that he really intended them to be. So unfortunately, Herod, in his insecurity and his paranoia, really missed the boat. And it was a real tragedy. But what about this, though? This, this really strikes me even more so than the fact that Herod was disturbed at the news of the, the arrival of the wise men. It says all Jerusalem with him was disturbed. What is going on there? All Jerusalem was disturbed? Shouldn't they be rejoicing? Shouldn't this be good news? Right? Why were they disturbed? Well, I don't know this for sure. It's a theory I have. I can't prove it, but I'll just lay it out here. I think that they were disturbed because they knew that when Herod is not happy, there's trouble to pay. There's, there's trouble that's, about, that's on foot. 
Herod, by that time, was known for being uh, a tyrant and a real nasty dude. Uh, in fact, he had his some of his wives and his sons put to death because he was he feared that they were going to take over his his, uh, his rulership. And so he actually had wives and sons killed. So that's how, how bad it was. Um, Augustus Caesar, the first uh, Roman emperor of the Roman Empire, uh, was a very witty guy, actually. And there's a lot of his witticisms and jokes that come down through history. And one of them goes like this. He's, Augustus Caesar said, uh, It's safer to be here as pig than his son. Can you imagine that? <laughs> It's because the Jewish people don't eat pork, right? So it would be safer to be here as a pig than his son. So we're dealing with a guy who, when he's not happy, everybody else is miserable. And isn't that the case, though, for us, though? Even, of course, not in this extreme sense like here. But isn't that the case when we're ungrateful and we're grouchy and we're moody? We kind of tend to make everybody else's life pretty miserable. Okay. Oh no, Dad's not happy. Run, you know, hide in your hide in your rooms. Oh no, Mom's not happy. Oh no, oh no. We 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 tend to make everybody else miserable. We kind of suck the light, suck the air out of the room, as they say. So we've got a choice: Are we going to recognize the good things, or are we going to focus on the bad things? Are we going to be the light of the party, or are we going to be the death of the party? Um. You know, recently I was at a, at a family gathering, and uh, I it was actually his Christmas, in fact. And my father is a big uh, photographer. He's got 40, 50 plus years worth of photographs, tons and tons of photographs. And uh, my nieces were there, my brother's family, and uh, they're not going to hear this recording of this homily, so I can, I can speak about it. Um, my nieces were brats. They were being brats. And I was saying to myself, you know, we got this, this is this beautiful, beautiful moment. We got the family together. It doesn't happen always, you know. We got a lot, not all the family. We got a lot of the family together, and these girls are ruining, ruining the night for us, you know. They won't sit still. They don't want to take pictures. My dad wants to take some photographs. No, we don't have the family pictures. I'm saying, you'll have these pictures forever, and you'll be grateful. So shut up and be good. But you know what? I remembered my own incident when I was a little kid and my dad wanted to take some family photos. I was a real brat and the only way he could tame my little tyranny was to give me a sucker. And even that didn't work so well. It stopped me from bawling and throwing a temper tantrum, but it didn't totally wipe the tears from my eyes. And in fact, this whole incident is immortalized in the living room wall of my parents' house to this day is a picture of me and my brothers, and they're all smiling and happy, and I've, I'm like sourpuss with tears on my eyes, and i got a stupid sucker in my mouth. It's, it's immortalized. It's framed. To remind me of how I can be a brat and a baby. And we can all be brats and babies. We can all be little tyrants that really ruin it for everybody because we're simply not grateful. We focus on the bad things, on the things that are not going right, on the things that we don't have, instead of focusing on the things that we do have. My brothers and sisters, ultimately, you know, the origin of envy and of ingratitude is satanic. 
the first being who ever was subject to the vice of envy was the devil. And the, the scriptures tell us that it's through the devil's envy that death entered the world. Okay? The devil hated the fact that he was exiled from God's grace and that God had created human beings in his place to be called to have this have this place in heaven, God forever. And he, he hated that. The fact that something good was happening to someone else made him really, really sad and angry and vengeful. So when we indulge in envy, we're really indulging in the most one of the most root satanic kind of vices that could ever be. But you know what? The devil's envy actually makes sense because he truly is exiled for good from God's love. But that's not the case for any human being that walks this earth. That's not the case for anyone. All of, None of us are exiles from God's love. We are all included in his plan. So although God gives different gifts, he gives his gifts unevenly and unequally sometimes, when he gives his gifts, he gives them for the good of all. And all things work together for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. We see that today, my brothers and sisters, in this Feast of the Epiphany. When God, through the chosen people of Israel, reaches out to all the nations of the world and includes them in his loving plan. May how he deals with salvation history be a reminder for us in our own personal lives that none of us is excluded from God's love, from his plan, and from his good gifts. And thereby, we can be grateful and not be envious.